Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by former NFL and college QB founder of The Sims Complete QB, Matt Sims. Also joining us, NFL draft analyst and Irish breakdown recruiting analyst, Ryan Roberts. Today, we've got a fun exercise that we're going to be doing (laughs) discussing these quarterbacks for the 2023 NFL draft, possibly one of the most highly debated grouping that we've seen in a very long time of where the ordering is going to be, who's going to be the first to go, who will be the third or the fourth to go. There is such a debate on what is going to happen with this grouping. So on today's episode, we are going to handpick the perfect destinations for all of these quarterbacks. We're not saying this is not a mock draft. We're not trying to (laughs) order them based on the current ordering of the NFL 20 top 31 picks in the, in the first round. Instead, the way that we are doing this is based on what destination would be perfect and would lead to their early success. Guys, I want to start off with CJ Stroud because CJ Stroud, some murmurs going on right now that he might be the Carolina Panthers pick at first overall. And then we also saw the video that happened at the Ohio State Pro Day where Josh McCown doesn't do a very good job of hiding it. He makes an indication of saying to CJ Stroud, when you move to Charlotte, we'll have to find a court to play on. Very, very not doing a very good job of being sneaky about this. We're starting to learn more and more. But guys, if we did have to pick that destination for Ohio State, CJ Stroud, Ryan, I want to head to you first. What would be the perfect spot for him? I think the Indianapolis Colts would be the perfect spot, actually. I, I've, I've talked about this a bunch, Joe. There was one time during this draft process where it seemed like people were buying in a little bit more to the toolsy upside of the Anthony Richardsons and the Will Levises of the world. So, I mean, there was a reality where once I thought that Will Levis might be a pick over CJ Stroud. I think that that has calmed down and I'm not on that wavelength anymore and things are starting to show themselves a little bit more clearly. But there was a time where I thought Indianapolis could potentially stick at number four or maybe just trade up to three and get their guy in a CJ Stroud because I think when I think of what's offensively that team really needs because what they have what they have had over the last few years is they went the veteran route a ton you know and they, they they've gone to the you know they've went from Philip Rivers obviously on the last leg still did a good job for them his final year but then he retires you go into a Carson Wentz situation and obviously he flames out pretty quick and then you go to Matt Ryan last year who Matt Ryan's just done at this point, you know, like he's just kind of on the back back end of his career. CJ Stroud, I think, brings a lot of the qualities that Indianapolis wants in a quarterback, though. That team is a very it's a larger wide receiver group with the Michael Pittman Juniors of the world. It's more of a timing based system, back shoulder type of system. And I think for me, CJ Stroud has that type of really, I, I think I think the word is like he has a really high floor to that system, right? It's mm. like he's a natural passer he's a natural processor he gets the ball out on time he's very smooth in seeing the field so in an Indianapolis Colts roster that I actually think is a lot better than some people give it credit for I think that offensive line has pieces they have Jonathan Taylor they have Michael Pittman Jr a couple guys on the defensive side of the ball including Darius Leonard 
with a quarterback that has a higher floor that is more dependable, I think a guy like a CJ Stroud could potentially flourish pretty off a pretty early Indianapolis Colts, and that could regulate that position because they just have not hit on their veteran quarterbacks the last two times. So I think that C.J. Stroud would be a great fit in Indianapolis. Obviously, I don't think that that marriage is going to ultimately happen. But if you're asking me what fit do I like projecting forward, I think that him in Indianapolis would have been a great fit, but it's obviously not going to be one that's going to happen. Matt, what do you think here? Are you leaning in Indianapolis or are you going with somebody else? I, I like the take a lot, Ryan, because I think it's got a lot of a lot of interesting components to it. And I think from the perspective of like a Jim Ursay, it's definitely really exciting because you know with just that region that he's in, there's a lot of Ohio State fans in that area of the world. And man, they would sell out a lot of seats really quickly to have CJ Stroud in that stadium for sure. Um, I, I do see it. I'm I'm a little curious though with with Shane Steichen the direction he goes and now that he is in control of the decision making at that position. So yep. curious to see if he kind of stays more along the lines of what was making him the most successful with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, or he goes a different route. So that's I'm curious about that. Yep. For me, C.J. Stroud, I think the best place really is Carolina. I think Carolina is the best landing place for him. I think that's where he can be most successful right from the bat because he's going to be around a lot of quarterback-minded people. Um, and that's going to be an offense that I think is going to develop him the proper way and being just a well-rounded quarterback as far as decision-making, having multiple, uh, just multiple layers of an offense that they can take advantage of immediately. And I think Frank has shown that, that he has that ability to be creative with multiple quarterbacks in very tough situations and still being successful. Joe and I did a show where we talked about Frank Reich and his ability to manage the Colts situation with a lot of different things going on. Andrew Luck retiring, Phillip Rivers for the year, uh, and then obviously the Jim Irsay stories and all that that go with it. But I, I do think that Frank, CJ, um, that would be a great combination and a great marriage for that Carolina fan base to kind of reinvigorate again that franchise uh, with with someone like him and play him right away. You know, it's not like going to be one of these guys like, hey, look, wait around here and get experience, maybe like an Anthony Richardson or something like that, like others are saying in his case. Play him right away. He's going to perform, I think, well early. Let him improve through those growing pains and experience. And I think they got a really, really talented football player on their hands that the the ownership and the entire city can can kind of lean on. Matt, can I yeah, ask I you a go- question as far as that fit? Because it is very interesting. And obviously, Carolina is a team that has shown a lot of interest in C.J. Stroud already up to this point. Does it worry right. you as C.J. Stroud being more of a pocket passer that doesn't win incredibly well outside of structure? Does it worry you with just kind of the wide receiver pieces that they have around him? Yeah, I mean, it, let's let's face it. The Ohio State receiving core might be as talented than the actual Carolina Panthers receiving core at this moment. You know, it, it's certainly debatable in some respects, but I believe more so in Frank being able to put him in successful situations more often and at an earlier stage in his growth at the position. I mean, you know, you got to think that Frank was in that room when Carson Wentz was going to be the MVP of the league when his first year and his first go around as an NFL quarterback before he got injured. So I believe that CJ has that ability to jump right into the deep end, perform extremely well, 
play within the confines of the offense and whatever talent that they have around them. And I think a guy like Adam Thielen is a huge piece to that. Very experienced football player, right? You know, maybe the physicality isn't quite there the way that it used to be, but still a very knowledgeable football player that can help groom him in that room. And I'd be curious to see if Carolina gets a little bit more aggressive with seeking out a guy like DeAndre Hopkins in free agency and going and getting him and adding a guy that's big, strong, and physical to win those 50-50 balls. So, uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see how that plays out. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Matt here. And, guys, I I took a little bit of a different approach, I think, with picking my destinations because the way that I looked about it was best spots for these guys to succeed early in terms of how the rosters were built around them. And and CJ was was the strongest for why I picked the Carolina Panthers. The reason why I went with them is the sake that, as you said, Matt, CJ is somebody who I believe needs to step in and start right away, get comfortable with the NFL game because he's a little slow in his decision-making, which we've seen in his college career. And I think you put him into a spot right away, he is going to eventually get acclimated pretty quickly. He's not going to get that from practice reps. But the biggest thing here, and Ryan and I have talked about this at depth, is that the Carolina Panthers arguably have one of the most actually ready rosters than many people are willing to admit. They've got a lot of young defensive talent. They've got an underrated offensive line that is improving. They've got a couple of weapons at the receiver position that we've highlighted. They've got some quality running backs as well. Maybe not this next season, but the following season, I don't see a reason why that they can't win the division, which is why they need one of the two guys that are ready to go immediately. Now, this NFC South sucks, so there's a possibility that they could even win it this upcoming year if things go well enough. But again, that's why I need to put C.J. Stroud in there. However, I want to bring up, though, our next guy, Bryce Young. I decided to be a little bit of a hack here. I went with the same destination for both of these guys for the same exact (laughs) reason. Look, the key takeaway here is the Carolina Panthers should not, and honestly, they will not, draft Will Levis or Anthony Richardson because it does not fit their current needs at this moment. They need somebody that they can plug in and play right away, get used to playing in the system with that roster, and so that they can be in a win, more of a win-now position than some of these other guys that need some time to sit. So Bryce Young as well, I think, would be a perfect Carolina Panther. Both these guys would fit perfectly uh, with the Panthers. Ryan. Your thoughts on Bryce Young? Yeah, I, I think that – so when I'm trying to mash this up, Joe, I, I'm really trying to think of what schematically a player would fit best into, right? And that's kind of where my mind goes when I'm talking about like the best possible fits. I mean, honestly, Bryce Young's a player where I think that there are elements of his game that can translate well to most offenses. My, my one hang-up with Carolina, even though I would draft Bryce Young number one overall as long as I was comfortable with the you know the size profile that he brings to the game, is that I do think that more that I, I do think that Frank Reich and that offense does want to be a little bit more vertically centric. I think that when you've seen them at their best, they want the stronger arm quarterbacks of the Carson Wentz's of the world, right? Like that's kind of their type of player, which is why you saw it twice over the years, right? With it, with Frank Reich in Philadelphia, and then with Frank Reich bringing him to the Indianapolis Colts. And I think Bryce Young has a has a good deep arm, and I think that he can stretch it vertically. But I don't think I wouldn't necessarily say that he's best fit in a vertically oriented system or vertically centric system. So I actually went with the Houston Texans. And I think that some people will probably think that this is a little bit of a weird one because the Texans are a roster that needs a lot of work, obviously, right? Bringing in D'Amico Ryans, 
Well, I mean, they've been, I mean, let's, I'm not going to be like beat around the bush with it. They've been a little bit of a dumpster fire the last two years, obviously with, you know, I thought David Culley actually did a decent job two years ago with the talent that he had. And then you bring in Lovey Smith last year and you just knew that neither one of those guys were going to be the long-term solution at the head coaching spot. So there's a lot of holes in this roster. One thing I like, though, about what Houston did this offseason outside of getting it to Miko Ryans is that they brought, they went they dipped into the Kyle Shanahan tree this offseason as well. They brought got Bobby Slowick, who was in, on Kyle's staff, which if you know it, there's a lot of there's a lot of West Coast elements, right? But there's also a lot of spacing elements, really getting guys in space and the yards after catch conversation. So when you need that type of player, I need a smooth processor. I need a guy that throws on time. I need a guy that can really take advantage of space. And I think that that's Bryce Young through and through. So him in a Shanahan-esque where there's going to be a little bit more movement-based system in sense in this offense, a little bit more play action, a little bit more movement of the pocket, you know, I, I think that they're a little bit of vertical stretch, horizontal stretch mixed in. I think that that offense is really advantageous to what Bryce Young can do as a passer. So I actually like the fact that Houston in this offseason, I think, did a really good job with coaching hires, start building up that roster. And I think Bobby Slowick could get a guy like a Bryce Young if he drops him at number two and can really build an offense around him because we saw what, what the San Francisco 49ers were able to do with Brock Purdy this past year. Bryce Young is a similar size profile, similar style of a player, but he's just a juiced up version, obviously, right? So I think that Bryce Young could fit really well in Houston, actually. Yeah, and unfortunately for Bryce, he doesn't have that skill group the same way that Brock Purdy did. No, um, you know, Ryan, you're it's like you're kind of stealing some of my notes right here by the way that you said that and, and delivered it. Uh, I, I see it very similar as you do. I do really think that with this situation, Bryce with Bobby Slowick, with the D'Amico Ryan's team, fits extremely well. And I, I'm excited for him in this sense. When he won the Heisman Trophy, it was Steve Sarkeesian's offense, which basically was an amalgamation of his own creativity mixed with what he learned when he was in Atlanta with Matt Ryan the year after uh, Kyle Shanahan left to go to the 49ers. Matt Ryan had a fantastic year. The next year after he won his MVP, actually statistically was even better um, than his MVP season. So I think that combination of him being able to go into the NFL, be in a system that's extremely familiar to him, language, verbiage, the way that it's read, the way that you go through the progressions, I think this will allow him to jump right in and almost kind of take command of the offense faster than some of his other teammates, despite him you know, entering the team late as a rookie. And that's what I think is very exciting for him. Um, he makes all the throws extremely well. The guy is a really good job of, of just improvising, making throws, throwing from funny angles, funny releases, you know, and, and everyone, listen, the, the fact is that, yeah, he's on the smaller side. The good thing, like Ryan said, is they move the pocket a lot. They rely on the run game. The horizontal aspect of it is definitely something that that coaching tree and coaching uh, aspect is, is, is harped on immensely to make the teams run sideline to sideline. And I think that will allow him to get more space from the line of scrimmage and to make more plays down the field because it'll be a little bit like how Russell Wilson was like early in his career. You know, run the football aggressively, deep play actions far away from the line of scrimmage, and then just making great throws and great decisions in rhythm down the field. Um, so that's where I think that's a great fit for him, for the Texans organization. And uh, I think it's a, it's a good fit, uh, really, for both parties in this situation. 
I also think that this Texan spot is is very, very realistic for for Bryce to end up in because right now, again, we're talking about how CJ's probably going to be that first overall pick, and then here he's going to plug into a, a Texan spot where they desperately need a do-over at quarterback. It's going to suck for Bryce Young, though, if this does end up happening because he kind of gets the worst situation out of everybody. Uh, the offensive line there is is a bit underrated. I don't think it's enough credit for how good it is with – them bringing back Laramie Tunsil, especially, but uh, Texans big. great pick, great pick for you for the uh, for Bryce Young here, guys. Moving on to Will Levis, who has been um, a confusing player. Let's put it that way Vo- to evaluate volatile. and volatile. Yes, volatile <laughs> is a good word, but I think confusing as well is is appropriate because to be fair, I, I it's not very easy to find a great pairing and a good spot for Will Levis. But the counter to that is maybe he's a little more moldable than some of these other guys because, frankly, is the word that's been used to describe him is that he's raw for the position. He's still learning some things. He still needs to refine some of his issues. For me, Will Levis, though, guys, I feel like if I were to pick a, a perfect team and just in terms of his his demeanor, his mentality, I think that he would work perfectly as a Detroit Lion playing a part of that coaching staff on that roster on Biting such a kneecaps. A, a Dan Campbell is the perfect <laughs> head coach to coach a guy who put mayonnaise in his coffee and eats the <laughs> outer skin of a banana. I want two crazy people in one locker room. That's why I paired this one because, frankly, outside of that, there's not much else to go off of. But the the bigger – just the mentality is that we know that this is a very run-first team. Uh, we saw the way that they approached free agency by going and getting – David Montgomery after already having DeAndre Swift, adding a guy who we know is a strong athlete. So the, the one thing that I, I can't get out of my head when I talk about and hear Will Levis is that the guy plays like a linebacker at the quarterback position and he kind of runs like it too. So you get a big, strong runner, you put him into the running game, you could probably work in maybe some read option, some wrinkles that you can't use with the current guy, Jared Goff, who's been calling the plays or, or running the plays rather. So Will Levis, Detroit Lions for me. Ryan, what do you think? I, I don't hate it actually, Joe. I mean, I, I know it's kind of a joke to say like the, you know, biting the kneecaps and eating bananas, peels and all that type of stuff. But I mean, honestly, you just saw Ben Johnson, what he did as the offensive coordinator for Detroit last year. I mean, I thought he did a tremendous job. Quietly, Detroit Lions had a top five offense in the NFL, right? And you look at it and say – Everyone knows that Jared Goff has some limitations as a player, but he was able to accentuate his strengths and get a lot out of that offense. And I think the run-heavy aspect is big time, which is partially why I made my pick and I ended up you know, going with an Atlanta Falcons because I think ideally what Arthur Smith wants to do as an offensive play caller is similar to what he did in with the Tennessee Titans, is that they want to be a very run-heavy, run-centric offense that works heavily off of play action, and they want to do a lot of, you know, deep, deep, shallow cross and, you know, a bunch of, of, of uh, vertical stretch type of stuff. Like they want to do that, that stuff and really hit seams and, you know, really stretch it vertically off of the play action pass. And I think that when you look at a Will Levis, it fits in perfectly, man. It does. And mm. I, I don't think there's any reason why he can't be a Ryan Tannehill-esque type of football player, right? Because you see that. There are similar-ish traits. You know, Tannehill's a little bit longer, a little bit skinnier, 
But a Will Levis is a guy that should, in theory, be really good off of play action because he is a smooth athlete. He does have good feet, and he has a very strong arm. So when you're talking about the ability potentially to run the football in Atlanta, which quietly they were able to do really well last year, and you know they got a lot out of Tyler Algier. They still have a Corderell Patterson that's on the roster. So they should be able to run the football very nice this offseason. That's not even depending upon what they get in the draft as far as adding another running back to the room. So you continue to bolster that. And then if you are a team that ends up with a with a guy like a Will Levis, I think the fit could make sense because right now they're gonna look seem like they're gonna roll the dice with Desmond Ritter. I'm not the biggest Desmond fan of all time, and I think that adding quality talent to the room at the quarterback position is never a bad thing, especially when you have uncertainty. But again, man, I think out of that run heavy system where you're really trying to work off a of play action and take advantage of the athletic gifts that Will Levis has, I think that there's some validity to that fits personally. To have two young quarterbacks in the same QB room, though, just reminds me of like a, a Matt Sims, Geno Smith situation with the New York Jets. You know, uh, <laughs> we were talented as hell, but it, it's not great. It's not great when you got two young cats learning the NFL game at the same time. Um, but hey, at, at this at this stage, I have a really tough time with just placing Will Levis anywhere at the moment. I shared that with you in the pre-show. As I kept thinking about it, I still have a tough time placing him somewhere. There's there's two, three teams that kind of come to mind. I think about the New Orleans Saints a little bit with just the fact that they got Derek Carr, so they got their quarterback for tomorrow, a veteran quarterback that can – you know, kind of bring Will Levis along, not to say that he's going to groom him, but to let Will Levis be in a room like that for him to mature, see how professional handles the room, handles the media, handles a locker room. I mean, nobody's been through more adversity than Derek Carr and his crew with all the coaches that he's dealt with and the organization that he has dealt with these past few years. So I think like that situation would really be great for Will. I see Will as someone that has to go to a franchise and, and sit and wait a little bit, a year or two to really become a great NFL quarterback um, and, and to let his true ability shine through. Um, it, it's it's really curious, though. I mean, Will's super talented. He's raw. I mean, even from his combine, I mean, he took one drop on his combine and he dropped behind the left guard. I mean, he literally dropped on an angle three feet the opposite direction. You know, I don't even know who his QB coach is, but I'm just telling you, Sims Complete QB mm. will help you drop straight, Will Levis. All right, I got you. All right, I'll teach you how to drop straight in the pocket. All right, that's one thing you got to work on. But um, I love, no, I love, I love that subtle plug, man. I love that. Man. I love that. <laughs> but, I mean, dude, like you know, when I was watching the combine, I see all the raw talent, but I also see just like you know a lot of it, it just a lot of missed opportunities right now with him, as far as just the way that yeah he's being taught, the way that he's been taught at Kentucky, and I'm just kind of curious to see which NFL teams think that you know he can really fit in and be groomed the proper way. And I think that's why the Saints popped into my mind really quickly. I even mentioned in my notes the Cowboys as a team of potential interest. Um, and I even thought maybe the Ravens with their weird situation with Lamar and just getting someone if Will somehow drops, you know, for whatever reason. Um, but, yeah, the Saints are the number one pick for me and Will Levis. Yeah, Will Levis is one of those guys that's going to need a perfect situation frankly, to succeed. And another guy who... Every quarterback needs a perfect situation to succeed, <laughs> except for Patrick Mahomes. But yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, no, you're actually, you're 100% correct. But Anthony Richardson, though, is somebody who's been brought up that if he is not 
properly developed, nurtured, placed into a situation that is going to be creative with his skill set that his career might not pick up and take off as quickly as many would hope. But Anthony Richardson, a supremely talented player out of Florida, a massive kid at six foot four and 240 pounds. He ran a 4'4 at the NFL Combine. Athlete, big arm. He checks all the physical boxes, but has not played enough games. And also at the same time, a horrendous completion percentage in college as he was under 55%. So it makes a lot of sense why we sit here and say about Anthony Richardson, we got to place him somewhere where things are going to work out. So a lot of the stuff, Ryan, that you talked about off the top when you were talking about C.J. Stroud with the Indianapolis Colts, I loved a lot of the things that you said. And then Matt countered and brought up how we look at with what Steichen, the former offensive coordinator for Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles, now head coach for the Indianapolis Colts, a lot of the way that they ran that offense, you know, a lot of uh, quarterback-oriented runs with a big, strong runner. We know the video of Jalen Hurts with that massive squat that he has. I think and the first thing that comes to mind with Steichen and how he used Jalen Hurts is that I want to put the best athlete in that offense and I want to see them just take off at an elite level. And I think if you put Anthony Richardson in that situation, not only is it a stylistic fit because you can run the ball with him and he's a big, strong kid that can maybe endure more hits early on in his career than some other guys in this class. But the other part of this too his accuracy concerns, I don't think Jalen Hurts was a very accurately consistent quarterback when he came into the NFL. That was one of the knocks on him. And sometimes he still has some issues with his accuracy with, with hitting open receivers. So I think that if you put Anthony Richardson in, he's going to help develop that. He's going to help him uh, focus on throws that he, are, he is going to be capable of making. Overall, I just think that if we look at Jalen Hurts as the example, Anthony Richardson is the perfect counter to a guy that is going to be looking to start over at the quarterback position. Ryan, you first. What do you think? It makes a lot of sense. I've heard this one before as far as, you know, because Matt, like Matt said before, you know, with the Steichen elements in Indianapolis right now, like you look at the Jalen Hurts, you know, uh, success that he was able to have this past season, and you say like, you know, you can kind of see a mirror image there as far as using quarterback power, using the quarterback run game, heavy RPO impl implement implementation in that offense. Like, There's a lot of validity there. I ended up going with Carolina for just a couple. This is more of a roster construction conversation for me. When I look at that offensive line, I say last year, even when they traded Christian McCaffrey, they were able to run the ball at an incredibly high clip with Deontay Foreman. Deontay Foreman out of the building – they go and they get a Miles Sanders, though, who just ran for over 1,200 yards this past year. When I look at that offensive line with guys like like um, Iquanu at left tackle, Brady Christensen inside, I say that that is a power-oriented running game all day long, right? And I'm thinking about what Mark, what Frank Reich has shown. I keep wanting to call him Mark Richt because they're – yeah, Frank Reich. <laughs> what he, what he – as an offensive mind, in my opinion, guys, like he is – a guy that, yes, he has a type, but I think he also is a very smart offensive mind where he can accentuate strengths a ton at the quarterback position. I truly believe that. Mm -hmm. And I think he walks into Carolina and you say, we're going to be able to run the football. We have an offensive line that wants to get downhill. They want to be run-oriented. We're going to run the football at a high clip. 
And a guy like an Anthony Richardson, off of that, leaning on that running game early on while you're trying to dip his toes in but not fully submerge him to throw him to the fire, I think that that could be incredibly beneficial. Now, he's not going to be the first overall pick in this draft. So this this marriage is not going to happen. But if you ask Mm. me what is most beneficial for a guy like Anthony Richardson, going to a team that does not have to lean just on him early on, can lean on the run game, and has offensive coaches in – a Frank Reich and a Josh McCown that I think can be very, they can adapt to what they have around him and the talent level. So Anthony Richardson, I think makes a lot of sense for what the roster components are and a couple quarterback developers on the, on the, on the roster, obviously, or on the coaching staff, I should say with a Josh McCown and with a Frank Reich, I think would do wonders for him early on in his career. By the way, just a really funny layer to that. Oh, no. I, I think a lot of people – no, no, no. It has nothing to, to counter your point. A lot of people, though, in general, have been trying to figure out who you know who do the Panthers like. Mm-hmm. And they've used that point where, like, look at all the big quarterbacks that Reich has, has worked with. I saw a clip yesterday during a press conference very recently that Reich was like, I just want it to be known because you guys keep trying to, to pigeonhole this and, you know, and, and try and figure out who we're taking that I had a really high grade on Russell Wilson. So he's trying to – Trying to maybe cause a little bit of a smokescreen, a little bit of dispersion here. Uh, <laughs> but again, to that point, though, that there is a history of them using some big quarterbacks. So that's a that's a great point. Bringing up Anthony Richardson. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, I, I like that. that pick a lot. Yeah, good job, Ryan. You the man. You the man. Uh, yeah. Gold star for sure. As always, <laughs> man. You never disappoint, man. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. Like you said, just for the draft purposes, it's not going to you know work out that way. I'd be shocked if it does. Um, I, I see Anthony Richardson as someone that Coach Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks pick up. I think they're in a really good situation right now with Geno Smith. They feel really comfortable with the man and the leader that he is and what he did this past year. Comeback player of the year. The guy throws absolute missiles down the field all the time. Played extremely tough. Um, they're a team that is, you know, quote unquote, still rebuilding and you know, finding a new identity post Russell Wilson era. And I think Anthony Richardson would be a great person to add to that room and let Geno's just watch Geno Smith and what he does and how he carries himself. Because like a Derek Carr and a Will Levis, I mean, Geno has gone through it all. He's gone through the 20 rings of Dante's Inferno uh, and through hell to become the player that he is today. And that's where I think for him, it, this would be a great situation. And I think they could actually integrate Anthony Richardson into the offense right away in certain packages and have him and Gino on the field on the same time and being very creative that way. So I think there's a lot of fun ways to integrate him early. Anthony Richardson, unlike Will Levis, I would say I'd rather him be in a situation though where he would play earlier rather than later. Because when you are that athletic, you know, at, at 6'3", 6'4", 240 pounds, you know, and run a 4'5", you, you don't get faster the longer you play in the NFL, right? And you don't get lighter either for the most part. Yeah. So he's going to be in a situation where I hope rather, you know, and I, I should say this carefully too because I love my man G and I want him to be the baller there at Seattle. But that's why, uh, you know, at the same time, it would be good for Anthony to be in Seattle because of that, right, to to learn from a guy like Chino Smith. But 
he does have to play, I think, earlier rather than later instead of just putting him on the shelf for a year. I think he is someone that has to learn and get experience the hard way, take advantage of the athletic ability, and let him continue to develop as a passer like we saw Jalen Hurts and Coach Dyken as well. With such a limited sample size that you've had with Anthony Richardson throughout his career with so many few starts, what is it, 10 or 12 starts, I think, Joe, is what he has under yeah, his belt? I, th- I, th- I want to like say 10. it's 12. It might be 12. It's 12, I think. It, it's yeah. either 10 or 12. And with that in mind, I do think that there's – I think most people look at him, Matt, and they go, you know, he's a guy that needs to sit and just learn. I think there's validity to that, but I also think that a guy that hasn't played a ton, you need live bullets, man. Like, you need to see that speed on the field at times, he too. Needs right? like you need to play. He needs to play. 100%. He needs to play. I felt similarly to Trey Lance coming out of North Dakota State. I was like, I think that kid just yeah. needs live bullets, man. Like, he just hasn't played enough. You know what I mean? And I feel like – there's some similar attributes there to Anthony Richardson where you're coming from the SEC. Anthony, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. And, and it's like, but I think Anthony has way more raw, uh, just way more untapped potential than Trey. I think Trey got a little hyped up. I think Anthony's got a stronger arm. I think he's a more physical and dynamic athlete and a runner. I think he's a stronger runner. Right. And, and that's where like with the Trey thing and Anthony, it's like, yeah, Anthony played in the SEC. And he ran away from LSU secondary by like 30 yards. You know, Trey Lance, I didn't see plays like that, you know, not to discredit the FCS level, but at the same time, it's just, you know, his lack of play. I know, Joe, but just like (laughs) his lack of play at that league compared to Anthony's lack of, uh, you know, experience in the SEC to me is not quite the same. Uh, you know, when you evaluate the two. And, and I think some added context for this as well, and the, the Trey Lance example comparison is is great for this because there, there are a lot of similarities to draw from them, just play style in general. But the added layer to this, when we say play early, it doesn't always mean just bench the starter, put the guy in. It means, I think in a way, we look at the way that Jalen Hurts was implemented early on with the Philadelphia Eagles. He was brought in in sub packages and was actually used – pretty often. And I look at somebody like Anthony Richardson of, if you want to get him early experience on a team like the Seahawks, which I think is a fantastic example to bring up. That was the team I almost went with in this example, because you've got a veteran who we can learn from, a very mature veteran who's been through a lot of obstacles, but you can bring Anthony Richardson in, in various circumstances, third and short, second and five. You can get him a lot of snaps throughout the season because you know he's a good enough player to provide an impact as an athlete. And then he's also going to be able to learn by throwing him in, into the mix and getting him some of those reps. I don't know if I can say the same thing about the, the other quarterbacks in this class, but again, to that point, maybe that's how you get him comfortable. And maybe that's how you get him acclimated with the NFL level. And the Seahawks could be that perfect destination because of all that. And I say that terribly too, because I love Gino and I want him to continue to play as long as he possibly can. Cause he is a baller. So uh, yeah, it's uh it was kind of annoying me when I was like, Oh, the Seahawks, would be great and I'm like oh man that's my guy though I can't let that happen either but um I just think that he fits kind of Pete Carroll's mode too of just energetic you know always optimistic and uh you know compete have fun and even when you don't have energy just fake it and keep going and I think Anthony fits that very well 
I'm going to I'm going to cut the clip of you talking about that, but I'm going to remove the part of you saying something positive about Gino. So then it sounds like you're you're giving him a hard time. But no, I'm not actually going to do that. Uh, That's terrible, Joe. <laughs> no, I would just just would make, just make sure just you because tag of him. The CS comment I made, right? <laughs> just make sure you tag Gino in yes. the clip. All right. Just make sure you tag. Him. Hey, that was the, that was the point. Like, damn, your teammate says says he wants you out. Wow, that's messed up. No, I'm not going to do right? that. I would never do that to you guys. Uh, last quarterback, though, that uh, maybe could get picked in a similar range as Geno Smith is Hendon Hooker, the quarterback from Tennessee. Who, guys, frankly, at one point during the summer, Ryan knows this. I had him graded higher than Will Levis. The injury it impacts the 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 fact that we're not talking about him as much because he hasn't been working out. He hasn't tested. He hasn't done any of this stuff. But I'm a big Hendon Hooker fan, man. And it's not just because he he gave me this this nice can of beans that says his name on it. It's not the only reason why I, I like Hendon Hooker. What? But Hendon, I think that he gave me that at the Super Bowl. Uh, one of the coolest guys I've ever. Did he did he sign it? No, he just kind of left it on the table and I took it. Oh, sorry, he didn't give it to you at all. You just took his beans. He, he gave it to the Believe table because he was repping bushes. And then I took the beans and I put them in my backpack because I'm like, this is going to be the most random, cool prop to put in my backdrop that I can now call upon. And I'm going to do it every time that I talk about it. But you were going to be single for a long time, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully my girlfriend doesn't break up with me then just to fulfill that uh, but yeah. to that point guys I think that Hendon is a is a really nice steal for a team that maybe has an unsettled quarterback situation a guy who they're not that confident in maybe they're paying a lot of money to that they want to have that backup plan you know kind of like a Teddy Bridgewater in a way that we saw the way that he worked his way into his NFL career I think that the Minnesota Vikings are a, is a perfect opportunity for Hendon Hooker. The receivers that they have are very explosive. I think that Hendon, not by choice, would probably sit under Kirk Cousins. And I think that he is somebody who could just sneak right underneath him. And if Kirk isn't getting along with the front office, maybe there's a contract dispute. Maybe they're sick of getting to the playoffs and getting bounced in the first round. I think that Hendon would be the perfect guy for the Minnesota Vikings for them to just to pick up right where they left off because he's that quality of a player. But uh, Minnesota Vikings for me, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, uh, Minnesota's an interesting one. I went with the Miami Dolphins because I think that there's one thing that we have to have a conversation about at some point is the fact that Tua Tungo-Vailoa had a really nice season for when he played, but man, he's starting to get to the point where it's like if these if these concussions start kind of adding up at some point, right, and your durability keeps working in the worst way possible – you might need to find another option to kind of fall back on in that case, right? And I think that Hendon Hooker, if he didn't get hurt, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in the late first round conversation when it was all said and done. But right now, he's going to be a second to third round pick just because he's coming off the injury. He hasn't been able to test. He's there's just and he's a 25 year old quarterback. But Miami getting a potential insurance piece behind them because what's one of the best attributes Hendon Hooker has, Joe? is that he throws a beautiful deep ball. Throws a beautiful deep ball. Well, let's put him with uh, Jalen Waddle and uh, Tyreek Hill, who that's kind of where they excel, right? They're guys that can stretch the field both vertically and horizontally. They're that type of after-catch players that I think would really excel with a guy like a handed hooker, a guy that can push the ball a little bit better vertically than what Tua can do. So this is more of an insurance conversation just in case something happens to Tua. Again, God forbid, you got a guy like a handed hooker, I think talent-wise – 
can come in and could do well in that type of system under under a Mike McDaniel. Because what McDaniel does differently than Shanahan is Mike McDaniel is a little bit more vertically oriented, and that's based upon, again, having Tyreek Hill and having Jalen Waddell than what we've seen Kyle do in San Francisco. But I really think that what, what Hendon Hooker does well could mesh very well in Miami if his number is called, if something happens to Tua. Uh, that's a perfect pick, but the problem is is that they don't have that first-round pick. They have like a second-round pick. That to me they have no- a second-round pick. I, I hope he's still on the board because again, I really possible, like that man. pick. But them losing that first rounders, I, that that hurts that for me. I, but, I think uh, one or two of these guys are going to fall, you know, randomly in the draft. I really do, and, yeah. and it's def- I definitely feel like one of these guys is going to slip the cracks a little bit here, and someone's going to find a gold mine here in the later rounds, in the second, third, or fourth round potentially, um, especially with. You know, there's a few players that are really good quarterbacks that I think will be great pickups later in the draft. Mm-hmm. With Hendon in his situation, you know, the ACL, it's unfortunate. I don't think it's like the biggest detriment into the world. I think the ACL injury, it's not the same as, you know, uh, the Booby Miles, Odessa Permian days, you know, where it's like it ends your career, you know, like the same way that it used to. So I don't really value that as like a, a huge, you know, knock to his game. Um, he is a good athlete. He is tall. He does throw the ball extremely well down the field. He sees the football field extremely well, makes really good decisions consistently. You know, his adjustment from the Josh Heupel offense to the NFL type of game will be a little different. Um, but I think with the fact that he is a mature individual being 25 years old, being through you know, different offenses at Virginia Tech and then going to Tennessee. A lot of experience has played a lot of football games, high-level games, and that'll be a huge benefit to him. The team that I see being a high-level interest, other than the two that you mentioned, because I love your two picks a lot, I I like the Tennessee Titans a lot. I do. I think that he fits with Vrabel and that type of offensive scheme and what they're trying to do, you know, trying to be physical, trying to throw the ball vertical down the field when they are throwing the football, you know, and I think that he is a a really good leader, a leader of men that's calm, cool, and collected. And I think that's a really good bridging of the gap, too, with him and Ryan Tannehill for one more year before they make a decision of what they want to do. I don't know. You know, the Malik Willis situation is interesting. I don't know how they feel about him. Clearly, they didn't feel that great about him if they bring in Josh Dobbs out the streets late in the year. Um, but I, I do like Hendon potentially landing back in his home state of Tennessee uh, and continuing his career as a Titan. No, I absolutely love that one, just knowing the way that they love to run that offense. It's a lot of play action. It's a lot of rolling out. And when Ryan Tannehill was actually an athlete and age didn't catch up with him, a lot of similarities, I think, could be made between the two of them well, and the way that they played. Trading A.J. Brown wasn't the greatest decision either for their whole franchise, uh, and it, it led to a few people getting clipped you know, because of that. Um, so that, that was uh, a pretty big, uh, terrible decision on the organization and Ryan Tannehill's career. Yeah, they're definitely in restart mode now. Guys, this was a great show. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to go follow us at Sims Complete QB, at Ryzen Draft, at Joe DeLeon. Hit that subscribe button wherever you might be tuning in. And also, make sure you check out Believe Network on YouTube and on Twitter, at Believe Network, to catch our show, as well as hundreds of other amazing shows. We'll be back with more, folks. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.